Folks, take it from me, NBA legend Bill Walton. Like all great experiments in American history, the Three and D Love podcast will revolutionize your life. Welcome to the Three and D Love NBA podcast. Thanks for joining us, and I'm your host, Michael Eaney. We're joined, as always, by the brother, Ryan Eaney, and, of course, our namesake, the venerable D-Love, Derek Lovegren. Here we go. Thank you, Michael. All right, guys, the 2023 NBA season is a wrap. As the Los Angeles Lakers won the NBA championship, they've put up the banner. <laughs> uh, Le- LeBron, James. LeBron James won his fifth NBA title. Moving into a tie with Kobe Bryant and Magic Johnson, five rings, now just one away from Michael Jordan at six titles. Congratulations to the Eastern Conference champions, Indiana Pacers, who were a slightly better finals opponent than the 2020 Miami Heat and the, and the 223 Heat. <laughs> yeah, uh, I emphasize slightly. Um, no, sorry, guys. I started writing this intro when uh, the Lakers were celebrating winning the NBA in-season tournament, and I got a little bit confused. I I saw no dissimilarity between the celebration of the mid-season championship and the NBA championship, except that the boos for the commissioner were more muted, and we didn't have an NBA legend handing out the finals MVP. (laughs) I did think a side note that they were a little confused on whether to to boo Adam Silver. It was like, uh, this was his idea. It's kind of cool that we're here. But <laughs> just like silence. It was, it was interesting. Like, uh, we're stern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Easier target. Uh, the Lakers, though, um, did learn an important lesson, uh, which is that if they do win the NBA title, Joey Buss will not be the best person to hold the first interview and represent the Lakers organization at the podium. I don't know if you guys... Saw, saw the interview. Oh man! Uh, you, if you didn't, you didn't miss much, but won't get the joke. But uh, Joey Buss, of course, is the son of the late legendary owner Jerry Buss, and his title is the alternate governor, uh, a title commonly given to portray importance without responsibility. <laughs> Ho- hopefully, there's no alternate governors listening to this. But um, Joey is one of seven children of the late owner, and it was reported that it took him years to work his way up the organization hierarchy, which he managed to completely undo with an uninspiring 60-second interview. The genie said, that's why no one else talks but me and the family. <laughs> no, so I I, I, I kind of came up with all that. And then I actually found out today that he also was at the podium when they won the 2009 NBA championship, which oh no, oh no. Which, uh, was an equally uninspiring speech. Uh, he, in fact, I think he might've plagiarized himself if that's a thing. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> I am thankful though to Anthony Davis, who was the only one who helped me stay grounded when he said in his interview, we know this isn't the real thing. Uh, but but to, to get to the earlier point, um, let no millennials be confused. LeBron James is still two NBA titles short of Michael Jordan, even though he's now played twice as many seasons as him. <laughs> I'm exaggerating, of course, or, or am I? Uh, but really, c- um, congrats to, to the Lakers who did win the inaugural midseason tournament, and LeBron James was the first midseason tournament MVP. 
Uh, thank goodness that Doc Rivers, the man who has been selling the midseason tournament as much as anyone, was as confused as all of us <laughs> and asked his co-announcers if the MVP was for the entire tournament or just the championship game. Uh, <laughs> usually you, you work those things out in the pregame show meetings, Doc, but he, he did express what we were thinking. Um, but this MVP, is it's one more notch on LeBron's belt. And I, I'm sure our young fans, the, the millennial LeBron worshipers, will point out that Michael Jordan never won a midseason tournament MVP. <laughs> <laughs> i did i did see some discourse around how the the legacy of mj is such that you know he he only cared about championships and you know it, they were kind of clowning lebron for caring so much about this in-season tournament meanwhile like during the pandemic we watched that that 10-part documentary on mj that right. guy was competing in everything like he was competing right, against right. the the, the the locker room guy throwing quarters who could get him oh, closer no. to the wall. Like, I don't think MJ would be like, oh, a free trip to Vegas with a $500,000 line of credit? This sounds terrific. <laughs> can I get that? Can I get that now? We know where I'm going to win. Can I get the, get the cash now? I got I to gotta even out some bets right here. I got to go a few things. My, yeah. my favorite line that I did see was that instead of giving them medals, they should have given them like a black $500,000 chip. Just around uh, <laughs> that is good that's a good segue and th those are good points you're making there michael um but again congrats to the lakers and, and, I, and, I, and I do want to say one thing in, in, <clears throat> def yes. in defense of the bus bus uh progeny is that i do think joey bus at least he's given credit along with one of the other bus brothers jesse bus for their scouting and that they are held responsible and given credit for <laughs> adding Reeves to their team among other second undrafted players. I think, nice. I think his, his climb to alternate governor, uh, <laughs> he, he really put in the time out in the G league. He's uh, on the road a lot scouting guys. Yes. He's per living, living the life. So <laughs> perhaps it's a more prestigious title than I realized. Yeah. No, now, now, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he needs to stay in the back room, put it back on the plane, get him out. Got to the Bush Leagues, find some more players. Yes, yes. Doing something right. Let me do the talking. <laughs> Everybody's got to find their role. But again, <clears throat> excuse me, congrats to the Lakers, LeBron, and as Michael alluded to, the real winners of the midseason tournament. And I'm not talking about the fans or the NBA pockets. I'm talking about all the rookies and journeymen at the end of the Lakers bench who were given the financial compensation of $500,000 and contributed nothing to the victory except being the most exuberant cheerleaders you've ever seen. Uh, we can't blame them. Can't blame them for that either. <clears throat> but after winning this championship uh, in Vegas and in enjoying what I assume was an all-night celebration, uh, initial projections are that most players will likely be coming away with $250,000 in their pockets because <laughs> Vegas can get expensive. <laughs> You get a car. You get a car. Yeah. You get a car. <laughs> but uh, we, but let's not get car too carried away with all this. We we still have three fourths of the season left. Uh, there is wait what? <laughs> yeah, the show goes on. Uh, other news we need to tend to. Uh, last week, if you guys remember, we were talking about angry coaches giving several yes. examples. But um, in the last week or so, it's been angry players and the. 
target oh, no. of the animosity of the players oh, no. and NBA referees. Um, kind of started a couple weeks ago and Chris Paul went after referee Scott Foster who had kicked Wait, Paul what? Out of the game. Chris Paul and Scott Foster? Believe it or not, uh, oh, Foster, man. of course, does have a reputation for you know making himself the center of, of the story. But uh, Paul may have gone a little too far when he blamed Foster for the fact that he doesn't have a championship ring. Um, <laughs> but uh, then Trey Young got fined 25000 for being verbally abusive toward a ref, blaming the refs for his field goal percentage decreasing the last three seasons. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Jalen Brown made some strong comments after he was kicked out of a game saying that a ref was overly emotional. Uh, Brown. (laughs) That that never works out well, Jalen. Any discussion, any any disagreement. I see a bigger (laughs) fine coming for him, but uh, Brown Brown went on to blame the refs for his points, rebounds, assists, and field goal percentage being down this year. But (laughs) (laughs) there's there's a theme. (laughs) Yes, the theme is. It's the ref's fault. It's the did ref's you, fault. Do you guys see with Chris Paul though that it came out that he had had a sit down with with Foster? I think it was just Foster, right? It was like his Chris Paul's dad and Doc Rivers and either Foster or like the head of the refs association all met like years ago to try and like put the bad blood behind it. That did went not well. did not work <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't even like I want to admit that who was involved with this. This is like. Oh man, uh, it, that was not uh, it was not successful. It just uh, it got deeper and deeper. So there it is. It is great. All this like back and forth though is definitely giving a lot of grist for uh, the John Boys of the wor- world. Uh, the the you know the the wobs of the world who can go in and do the lip reading and and give us all the back and forth that I will say yeah. don't don't go look up the Chris Paul Scott Foster lip yes, reading for, it's, yeah, it yeah. is it's for it's serious stuff kids, man. kids at home yeah Chris, Chris Paul goes right there so oh, yikes. <laughs> yikes but this whole you know blaming the rest for everything we we call that in in my field um, displacement behavioral displacement you know blame blaming others but uh uh speaking of not taking responsibility this is hot off the press but draymond green was suspended oh. by the league indefinitely for punching yusuf nurkic getting his third ejection uh, of the season um i didn't write this one out so turn off the teleprompter please but um oh no here we go <laughs> an off prompter <laughs> so i actually i believe it or not bought Draymond saying that he did not mean I watched the replay and he said he did not intend to punch him that he aggressively flails with his arms and then he made contact but that's like going in front of the judge and you've been charged with your uh, fifth assault and you say well yes I did the other ones but this one I, I really did not mean to do or we could say it was actually a fourth because he wasn't charged for the one with where he knocked out pool right the the because yeah. the Warriors did not take any responsibility or take any action to hold them responsible. <laughs> so I'm sure we could have more on that, but um, yeah, yeah, these guys, these no, guys. Oh, sorry. I just, it, it's a great point. It reminded me a little bit of the, uh, you know, the scene in Goodwill Hunting where 
he's he's in the he's in the courtroom and he's trying to defend himself. Of course, he's good at Will Hunting. He's a genius. And if you haven't seen it, there's a great bit about that, like how Matt Damon like wrote that part for himself, where he's like a tough guy, a genius. Like yeah. who would who would want to be a tough guy, yeah. genius? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, right. he, he had to be the one that that. Uh, that wrote that for himself. Uh, but he like he when he's in there arguing, trying to argue, going back to the constitution and um making all these arguments, and it's like, but then the judge cuts him off and is like reads off all the things he got off for and reads this whole rap sheet yeah, of yeah. all the things at the end. It's like, but she hit a cop. We're gonna we gotta yeah. gonna have to pay the time for that. It's like <laughs> you hit Nurkic, it's time. Oh man. Yeah. It's all like the 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 smoke and mirrors. Let's just try to create distractions. That's let's, right. Uh, let's shift the discussion towards something else. Oh yeah. And, you know, it's like uh OJ's lawyers, but yes, all the blood at the scene of the crime was OJ's. <laughs> <laughs> um, over here, over there. <laughs> but guys, I mean it's people are angry, it's tumultuous times we live in, but I think it's you know, it's it's a period we want we try to still want to believe the best in people, everybody's suffering, we're doing the best we can. We all, you know, need a little grace. And I sh- on that note, I'd like to apologize for being a little too hard on the Lakers alternate governor, Joey Buss, because entitled sons of billionaires need a little grace, too. So there, there you go. <laughs> oh, and real quick, this is a preview for next week. I did not have time. The research time did not have was not able to look into the Giannis. Ball oh, game. yeah, I was going to uh, say that was like the perfect <laughs> perfect segue we're, we're still oh. trying to gather the information uh there was ladder gate that we covered last year now we have ball gate that's true it should be equally as entertaining but we we want to get gather the facts we don't want to make any assumptions so stay tuned this little uh teaser for next week <laughs> <laughs> well my my favorite thing about this this ref debacle that we don't really need to belabor but you didn't hit on even the Jokic one. Oh, the toss. On, oh, on, you got yeah. yes. in Chicago on Serbian Heritage Night. <laughs> oh gosh, the arena was like half full of Serbians there. To more Serbians, Jokic. according to uh, a, a Denver writer, more Serbians live in Chicago than in any place outside Serbia in the world. Oh my gosh! Yeah, see, the research team didn't give me that information, but um, that's that's hilarious because I knew that they like he got ejected and kind of like it was under suspect circumstances but i did not know that it, it was serbianite so allegedly he said call the foul you know with some explicit explicit language following that calling him a name and oh. uh he gave him one tech and then ejected him it was the rare one tech ejection so wow uh, but but on on serbian heritage night which is just the cherry on top were the brothers there his brothers and the ref made it out alive okay. I, I, last I checked, I, think I did. There's... I did. I did hear that Scott Foster had a shiner for the. Uh... Oh yes. <laughs> so I'm not sure if the the Jokic brothers were involved or Chris Paul's <laughs> no, family if, or someone if, Doc Rivers. I'm not sure. If the if it was the Jokic brothers, it would not be a shiner. It would. Uh, we wouldn't be hearing from Foster for some time. <laughs> Either be MIA or uh, recovering somewhere for several weeks. I think. Someone pointed out with Draymond, speaking of, of Jokic, that he only maybe it was Nurkic. It was like he only goes after like non-US players. Like that's who he targets. Sabonis and No, it was Nick Young. Adams. Oh, Nick Young said that, right? Adams. Oh. I mean, Adams is the big one. Uh, yeah, obviously uh Nurk, obviously 
the French connection. I mean, it's like, it's kind of interesting. He's he's definitely like one of those lions who waits for like the prey to go off from the pack. Like he knows like Gobert's like the least liked teammate of anyone in the league. Like no one's backing him up, dude. That's why you could choke hold him for 10 seconds before anyone jumped in. He was like, he was like, he and Kyle Anderson were fighting in the huddle last year. He and Mitchell hated each other. He like joked about COVID. He's just an awkward Frenchman. Right. No, no one right. wants to be his friend. All right. In my defense, Your Honor, it was Rudy Gobert. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it is weird though. Look, we talked about, it, but it's so weird looking back at the pool incident because, like, they really just decided Draymond was so important to them that they weren't going to do anything about it. And 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 I do think it's important that the video came out later. Like they came out and said what they were going to do about it, and then the video came out, and then they were caught between a rock and a hard place. As the team, as they already had said, we're not going to really punish you. But then it's like, oh my god, I can't believe we're not punishing him. But it's still just crazy. The league didn't intervene at that point and go, all right, you can't punch your teammate. Yeah, <laughs> like. But now it's like indefinite suspension because he never gets the he never gets the uh, the lesson. He's he's never repentant from it. It's like right, yeah. There's a there's a definite disconnect there. Like, come on, you, you're like now you're playing hardball or putting the hammer down when you uh, when you let him off. Uh, let's have some consistency. But how how long has Dumars been? Has he been in that role for a while? No, he I think it's been a year or two because he was like a he was like a king's. Um, sort of assistant GM consultant for a while post Pistons. So yeah, I think it's been relatively recently. I mean, it's always a little tough because these guys in this position, I mean, you even see it in the NFL. Like it's, they have these, um, they have Troy Vincent, who's kind of like the Dumars, I think equivalent, but they also have all those other individual ex NFL guys who are like the arbitrators. And I think it's like supposed to be better than the previous arbitrators or things just going to Goodell all the time, but you still like the league still paying these guys. That's the thing about all this stuff is that the the league the league plays the long game, and all these guys when they're finished playing, unless they have like really great business acumen in addition to being great athletes, which is like most of us aren't blessed to have one of those things, let alone two. Um, they're gonna need to and they, they're gonna need to make income unless they're in this era, maybe not as much, but it's they're gonna need to get it from the league or from the teams or from cover the media. Like they're not gonna get it as easily elsewhere. So it does create this weird dynamic to me where like Dumars is sort of he's the guy doing the punishment, but it's really like so it's just <laughs> a like a former like, bad boy by the yeah, way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the choir boy of the bad boys. Well, I guess Isaiah was too, yeah. but it's just a little bit of a strange dynamic. But yeah, I think. I, I I get what they're trying to do, but it's still this kind of it's it's they're in a tough spot because he is unrepentant. But it's like, why didn't you do something when he punched his teammate in the face? Like that was pretty bad. I mean, that was worse than, than yeah, it was the worst thing. of all of them. Yeah, no, by far. Yeah, I mean, stepping on someone's chest is kind of bad too. But uh, but Bob I, Myers, I, man, Bob <laughs> Myers is like. He's just putting his feet up at the desk. Yeah, after, I got uh, out. NBA right, con- uh, countdown. He's like, this is great. Uh, I, I think, Michael, you pointed out on text. I think it was before even all this happened. But it was like, I think I think the wrong guy quit, man. I think Kerr is wishing he went to the sunset with Bobby M right now. Yeah, yeah that's right. Well, he's coaching like he went into the sunset. So oh, <laughs> Sleepy Steve. Sleepy Steve is the, is the light year guy. Call him. 
it's a it's a rough time for some of these uh most accomplished coaches. I mean, they talk about Belichick being out the door in New England, uh winner of six Super Bowls, Kerr four championships, and it also looks like it may not be ending well for him. Yes, when you, when you don't have overwhelming talent, uh at least at the quarterback position or across your lineup in the basketball, <laughs> it does get a lot harder. I did see a quote from Kerr. I appreciated it was that he was like, this is how, this is the actual NBA. Like mm-hmm. we were back being part of the NBA. We haven't been mm-hmm. that way for a long time. And that's, yeah. I yeah. mean, I just wouldn't want to be the guy that has to put clay, like put clay down. I mean, clay is like, if the, the transition is sort of happening, the door is open to it but to be the guy who has to, you know, make that call that's probably part why he's put it off so long is that's a tough you can't put that back yeah. in the bottle once you you know he starts coming off the bench he ain't gonna start again yeah so. yeah that's a good point it reminds me i think like nick saban well this is like probably like seven years ago he's like what we're doing at alabama right now we cannot sustain this is not like this is this is more abnormal like we will fall back to the pack which they didn't really in like seven years <laughs> they no. still have it but they it's like <laughs> <laughs> they barely beat Georgia and got to the playoff again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know when they beat when they beat Georgia, there was a, a a clip going around, at least on Twitter, that was basically him giving his team a pep talk to go play Georgia, and he's like, "You heard Kirby Smart out there, Kurt, what Kirby's saying about us." And they went out and they like you know everyone gets got really fired up, and you don't really see Saban like that. Even that's how he is. He definitely has the like. He has the public face and the private um, mm-hmm. approach, mm-hmm. but then it was it was from twenty eight it was from twenty eighteen so it was like he's still yeah. he's still got it man. he's always been doing this stuff. So. <laughs> Someone's yeah. like, wait, that I, I that that's that receiver from the NFL now like that's not <laughs> now. Is that Julio Jones? Yeah, who's that guy? Yeah, is that Devonte Smith? Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just it's a it's like a weird time, and I think it's also like the. Um, um, the Bay Area is incredibly spoiled when it comes to sports. Um, like the Giants won three titles, you know, in the 2010s, and it gets them no currency now. Like, and that generation's moved on, and you know they're not as good as they were. And the Dodgers have been dominant for a decade, even though they have only won one World Series. But it's so it's I, I get some of it, but it's like so. There's a real lack of just it's not even patience it's like it's just it's like this engage the, the level of engagement is and maybe it's just modern sports fan in general i haven't observed it because i was in the dc area before this where <laughs> there was not much going on I mean, the nats broke through and the Cavs broke through but at least football was has been rough for a very long time there but the giant i mean there's the giants and there's the niners who everyone wants shanahan to be fired every other week basically <laughs> like they hate like the like the wow. the, the niners fan base hates their coach more than anyone else. The other 31 teams would be like, yes, please, please send him to us. It'd be wonderful. (laughs) And then the Warriors, it's just funny seeing these guys have to adjust where they, where they, you know, they've had a decade of just, you know, loving life. And even with the Mark Jackson team before Kurt took over, how fun those guys were. And um, Curry getting healthy and taking the world by storm, the splash brothers. I mean, that's, that's about as nice decades anyone's ever had. And it's, they kind of have to come. They got to come back to it, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, I mean, really, like next to Boston, right? Is there been a better, a more successful 
you know, sports space than no. in the Bay Area. I mean, it's a great call. Like, yeah. yeah. But you do, I guess you get, yeah, you get spoiled or entitled, you get, and then it's a, you get demanding, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, totally. Yeah. But Kerr forgot the biggest thing that Phil knew was that you gotta, you gotta jump. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, I mean, he needed to have his last dance. He needed, he needed yeah. to call the last dance. He needed, yeah. That's where Jerry Krause is helpful because it kind of like gives you your natural stopping point. Um, and they George, kept... George Costanza always leave on the high note, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like they, they, you know, Lakeup wanted to get his Kawhi and they, they haven't, they didn't find it. And now they're in a really tough, tough spot. Which is so weird because I, I just, there's clearly the politics within that organization, both in the front office and, and throughout the team dynamic is, is so fascinating to me because what we've seen this year is that some of this next generation of guys that they'd sort of been waiting on have, are, are have actually started to perform. Like yeah. they've been, you know, they, they have been pretty good in, in large respect. And it's the, the veterans, it's Looney, it's Wiggins, it's clay that, that haven't really been able to show up. I mean, Draymond has actually been awesome when he's not. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. Yeah. So I just don't understand. I, it's so curious to me that like a player like Moses Moody, who's like, you know, generally like a positive asset whenever he's playing, can't get past about 16 minutes a game. I mean, it's, he's just right. sort of regularly sort of stuck in the mud and like, you know, the, the kind of the middle of each half and, you know, I can only when things don't make sense, you can only point to the things you don't know, right? I mean, it's there's got to be more going on there from their their unwillingness to sort of expand the rotation, kind of shift some of the pieces around, um, and, and even shift stylistically. I mean, it's 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 going to be a thing I think they have to do if they really want to sort of change the trajectory of what's going on here. Um, and, and, and particularly in the context of how long this Draymond thing runs out. I mean, if it's, if we're talking 25, 30, 40 games, like, <laughs> I mean, it's all over, it's done. If it's like the John Morant sort of like indefinitely suspended for eight games thing that happened last year. Um, so I think they skipped over. I, th- I think, I think Joe D skipped right over that. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> no, so but he... that, that that's what the, the first suspension after the, the first gun incident no, you're right. No, 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 you're right. You're right. Was... I know you're saying. I know he yeah. got the eight game and then he kept doing crazy stuff and he got the 25. I'm just saying, I think Joe D's like, well, we really should have given him at least five games for the pool punch. Yeah. Um, looking back on this, it's like, oh my goodness. It's, that... uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you so... saw what Kerr said tonight, but he was like, we, you know, the goal here is to get, is to get Draymond help so there will be change, you know. And I was just waiting for him to add and quickly. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to go back and find the quotes from all the stuff Kerr's dealt with with him. And um, yeah, it's and I think at the I think an underrated part of the transition is that they like the three the big three all had huge chips on their shoulders. They were not they were all discounted at significant parts in your life that of their playing life they're playing career and we've talked about it but you know clay had like one big high d1 offer to washington state it wasn't and that's not then and now that is not that is the worst like big big five offer you could have basically i don't know there's maybe maybe iowa iowa state has a good program i don't know i want to get on anybody big 10 fellow big 10 <laughs> no at least iowa would be not iowa state but it's a rough offer and 
Curry couldn't even get offered to Virginia Tech. And obviously Draymond had a great college career, but it was discounted. And I think these younger guys like Kaminga and obviously I think Wiseman, they they didn't have that. Like Kaminga came out, you know, he he like moved to the U.S. and he was like a dominant player on the G League Ignite playing the, D, the G League. And it, it's just they haven't had that. So I think that was a big part of this. And I think part of it is also just listening to your players. Like at the end of the day, you can't like you need to coach and you need to make decisions and you can't. Because all those guys like Clay and Steph and Draymond didn't want to play with those younger guys and do what they were doing. But it's like that's sort of the job of the coach and the general manager to be like, no, we're doing this. I mean, I, I wonder if in back of Kerr's mind, he's just kind of hoping Dunleavy will just like no one wants to be the guy to trade Clay basically mm-hmm. or or bench him. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's getting he's in the process of being benched, it appears, but. Uh, I didn't. I have been tracking tonight's game, but it's. Um, he went for thirty. He's back, <laughs> my guy. He got two. Bur- he got two burritos down the down the street, and he was ready to go. <laughs> like I kind of feel like I don't know. I mean, it, it. It it's almost like he would fit in better with another team, and other and the Warriors would fit better with another guy in his position at this point. You know, it's like I do feel like another team. Him just all having to do is be a help defender and and hit open catch and shoot threes where someone's creating space for him all the time. He has a lot of value to add that way, but I don't know. Well, that's what, the, that's the where, I mean, where do you guys see this curious, stuff going? Yeah, that's the curious thing. I mean, I I think Clay is obviously the lightning rod because he's as popular as he is. He's had so much historical success, so the fall is always going to be sort of that much more of a focus point. But I mean, the bigger problem is Wiggins. I mean, that's the one that's, you know, that not only from that championship year, two years ago call, to, to now, the, I mean, the light years guys call him poutine, Jeff green. <laughs> <laughs> I, love I love sleepy Steve and poutine, Jeff green. They're not happy right now. They're not used to this. They're not, well, I will not, not be rich. <laughs> But that's like their massive problem. I mean, right? Wiggins yeah. as a wing defender, as a rebounder, as sort of like yeah. a tertiary ball handler was sleepy always, wigs, man. Sleepy wigs <laughs> was always there. Was was it was always their sort of their skeleton key to make all the lineups work and playing clay and, and Steph in their current forms next to each other. But he just ever since he sort of disappeared in the middle of last year with all his the personal stuff going on, you know, it he has never returned to any semblance of form. I mean, he's, I mean, that's the thing I think that is the bigger challenge that they have to figure out what to do with, because, you know, he, those are the minutes that need to be kind of sopped up more so by some of these younger guys. I think that that really gives them a chance. Like I, I think in watching some of their games, it's like clay obviously has challenges, but it's like, if he can just sort of like settle into things and quit, rushing the like one dribble pull-ups from 28 feet because he's trying to kind of get on fire. I think there's a clear role for him, whether it's, I mean, I think you're totally right. He fit in a lot of teams. I think he can fit on this team to some degree. The challenge is, is, is who are the players around a Steph clay backcourt that makes the whole system work together. And unfortunately for them, Wiggins hasn't been that guy and it doesn't seem to be coming to that guy. So I, I don't, the the negative like the negative value on all these guys it's, I don't know what what 
you know, levers they have to pull. Um, and I do think, I mean, maybe this is naive and hopeful of me, but it's, you know, they've lost like four games that are in the most vintage sort of like dumb warriors way where they're up, right. They're up like right. three or four. And if they're 14 and 10, instead of 10 and 14 right now, and yep. they just like hold on to those games, this entire discourse is different. Oh, right, right. That's a great call. And also just the, if, if Draymond's not, been out so much i mean they would probably be in a better position and then you'd be like okay there's issues but they can they can write the ship i mean i i do think curry is in a tough spot just having like these 10 guys that there's not really i think doc rivers was on simmons podcast and was talking about separators like he was talking about the context of edwards on the timberwolves and the fact that edwards has gotten so much better and is obviously the best player now like even someone like who's who lacks the someone who as unself-aware as Carl uh, Anthony Towns still can recognize that <laughs> Edwards is by far their best player, and it helps you do that. And I think for Kerr, it's hard because I don't – like, I, I agree with Michael. I think you have to play the younger guys, and they've shown the flashes they've shown, and you got to just let them figure it out. But they're not so much better than the, than the veteran options that it's just like it's a lot. It's a lot to ask him to do that. Um, but yeah, it's a, we'll see what happens, man. It's a, I think it's a work in progress. A, it's a good point about clay still trying to be the player play like he did when he was in his prime, because it, it, it does seem like he's not adapting. Like he's, he's just not, not adjusting to his new limitations and reminds me a tad of <laughs> Sean Kemp in his older years. Oh man! Oh no! <laughs> that oh, when he, no. Gained, he gained like the hundred pounds that he tried the, ca- like, the Cavaliers. Well, he tried to yeah. do like these double pumps and like you know a, a little scoop shot, and he was only getting like an inch or two off the ground. But uh, part of that may have been the the cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> was that, that was that Jailblazer Kemp, or was, was that, that and was Cavalier Kemp? Kemp? That was. He, I remember he he did you know you try some of these things I don't know they they don't age well or people say like the guy's playing like he's on something and then but when we heard about <laughs> Kemp it was like it was like no that kind of sounds about right there was something something off there but uh, oh man the rain man oh yeah. I mean the the biggest problem and I think this takes us more into the Western Conference is is how much again I mean we've hit this ad nauseum but how much parity there is in the Western conference. I mean, there's just so many good teams that, you know, even if you go on a run, right. That this is going to stay tight. I think through the rest of the season, I mean that, you know, slots even, you know, three through 11, is this going to be a total fight? Right. And so getting into that kind of getting out of the plan is going to be a big deal. And, and so, I mean, that's the uphill battle that they have. Because I don't think any of these teams right now, you know, there's that are going away, right? I mean, last year you kind of had this, the Kings show up, and and for the first thirty games, you were kind of like assuming it would come back to earth, and then it kind of didn't. I mean, they were the three seed, but um, it, it seems like the teams that we have at the at the current moment in the Western Conference, I mean, there's eleven real teams that kind of are going to kind of persist in the mix, and you know, who, who is the team that, you know, the Warriors can rip off a handful of games and kind of get back in the mix. It's just, it, it's an uphill battle and it kind of one, you wonder what, mm. you know, how willing they are to kind of look reality in the face and, and recognize the circumstances. 
Yeah, and then yeah. losing all those close games, like the 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 manner that they've been losing them, but uh, it's tough on the morale too. It's a uh, it's been a rough season for them. Well, yeah, it's not, it, to, to Michael's point too. It's like it's it's not if there's eleven really there's eleven good teams in the conference. It's not good to be number eleventh. <laughs> a third a third of the way to the season. Yes. It's just it is not a good spot to be in. Ugh. I mean, I am curious. I mean, what other teams in the Western Conference? I mean, are there any other teams that are giving you some of these warning signs? I mean, obviously, I think the Warriors are in the most dire circumstances. The bottom four in the Western Conference, you know, being the Jazz, Blazers, uh, Spurs, and and Grizzlies are are kind of well removed from this conversation. Um, you know, I mean, Phoenix, as of today, kind of sits in 10th now. They're a game and a half at a fourth, so it's obviously pretty clustered. But I mean, is there any any other teams so far that you kind of look at and go, kind of what what does the future hold for this team? Because you know my expectations maybe were higher or different, or, or it doesn't kind of align with what I expected. Where do I start, Michael? Where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> which super, which superlative do I start with? I'll I'll start with one that's actually. Um, I guess kind of the opposite of what we're kind of talking about. It's actually a, um, um, well, I guess it, it is. I mean, I, I think the Rockets are still really fascinating to me and that they're still kind of maintaining a good point differential. And so I'm still just curious if they can, where they're going to end up, if they can keep hanging in the spot they're in or if it's above there. I mean, I think it is interesting that both, both conferences have a pretty like stark drop off, which I guess maybe is typical of each each season. But just where there's like you know in each conference there's at least four teams where you're like okay they they have no chance and don't really want a chance or aren't going to have a chance. Um, so, but the Rockets are too. I'm still tracking. How about you guys? Is there, is there a team that st- stands out to you right now? I was just looking at the Rockets. They're eleven and one at home and one and eight on the on the road. I'm like, come on, Udoka, let's. Let's get the team ready to go for road games. It's, <laughs> it's quite the discrepancy there. Uh, <laughs> Clippers really turned it around on the opposite, not well, uh, going away from what we're saying. Yeah, the Clippers are interesting. Yeah, that's the one that I, I've I've been I've watched a couple of their more recent games. I watched a couple of those early games when they first got Harden, and it was just it was like such a disjointed experience watching. I mean, it really was like the the like come to life version of there's only one ball i mean right how many times have we heard this when like big threes come together like oh how is this going to work you know there's only one ball and then turns out having good basketball players on the floor together works out really well uh but it was actually like you could see some of the growing pains that came with you know having paul george Kawhi leonard james harden russell westbrook norm powell like all these guys that that really thrives strictly with the ball in their hands. Um, but it, it does seem like there's been, whether it's a hierarchy or just a balance that sort of worked itself out where they seem quite formidable. I mean, it's, it's just an, it's an interesting um, sort of evolution of, of the way their team plays where I think they're kind of splitting out sort of the Harden and Westbrook minutes. So they're, they're not as, you know they're they're not playing together very often, which I think for for a spacing perspective works well. Uh, for for Harden's preferred sort of like pick and roll style, um, and then you know really getting sort of 
they're getting kind of each guy his right spots, but they're also, they seem to be like working off of each other instead of sort of your turn, my turning this, the, the, the challenges that can come with that, the lack of flow and, and, and how that systemically affects the rest of, you know, your defense and your transition and all that. So, uh, you know, that's, that's a team that kind of go, you know, we obviously thought so highly of them and we're so perpetually disappointed because of both the injuries and some of the issues that they've had in the playoffs in the last couple of years that you, it seems like they kind of went out of vogue, but I am curious if they can kind of keep this together in a way that, you know, they can stay healthy. If they can kind of put enough wins together to kind of be in that top six, you know, what they look like in a playoff environment where you have, you know, the possessions are just more challenging and having that level of creation across a variety of guys, you can kind of throw a lot of different looks at people um, so that's a team to me that I'm kind of watching. Cause I think, again, I probably fell into that category of writing them off, just sort of expecting it would be kind of more of the same. And then the hard thing felt like such a hail Mary that it, it felt like it was, you know, a lost cause to some degree. And you're just, you know, doubling down on Balmer's money and you kind of figure it out. Um, but it does seem to be potentially working out. Yeah. I, I, um, I think Harden playing like, point guard and being a distributor is just like that's something they didn't have before like that's not something really quiet does at all pg does a little bit um and it felt like lou just needed some time like in hindsight to just kind of transition westbrook out of the starting lineup like he had to do it for a little while until it was obvious it was a problem and then westbrook could kind of wave the flag himself and they could do the transition um one other thing before i forget i meant to mention about the warriors is that our guy Joe Cronin has the top four protected Warriors pick for this year. Oh, yes. <laughs> the pick they said yes. they sent for Iguadala with Iguadala to Memphis to do the D'Angelo Russell move, which again turned into Wiggins and turned into a title. So it's all worth it. But man, Bob Myers got his feet up at the NBA <laughs> countdown right now. I think Draymond needs extensive counseling. Um, That's right. <laughs> I will say, I did see someone, I think on Twitter a few days ago, mention that that the Warriors do have, they've had the hardest schedule in the NBA so far, um, which is, I, I thought it was an interesting point. You're like, they, you know, they have a lot of problems, so it's probably much ado about, you know, nothing, but it, it wasn't, it, it wouldn't totally surprise me if at some point over the next month they rip off a handful where they they get they get on one of those East Coast swings where you run into, you know, the five bottom feeders and you know you just all of a sudden they're on a five game winning streak and the outlook starts to look a little different. Now they played OKC like three times I think already or something maybe including the in season tournament. So yeah, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, they got the Spurs on the calendar. They're having trouble uh, winning a game. <laughs> give you a lot a lot of spurs and pistons that then you're back yeah. in it uh i i think the other team that's curious to me and i think the in-season tournament sort of sparked this is i think the lakers were one of another one of those teams that i grew probably more in this sort of warriors group before the season started where you know obviously they have the chops the history um the 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 high level capability but I wasn't sure if they could kind of get there consistently. Um, and I, and I think the, the way they rebuilt their roster and the, the way they can both play into sort of the, the depth that they have and simultaneously then relying on sort of the 80 LeBron duo and, 
in games that they care about. It kind of I, I'm I'm finding myself sort of reevaluating them, particularly as a playoff team. Um, I kind of thought, you know, again, last year's, you know, Western Conference finals run was a bit of fool's gold kind of tricks you into thinking maybe you have more than than you really do. Uh, but that that is a team for me that, you know, again, you you kind of watch them through this and what LeBron's been able to do at his age 39 season again, talked about all the time. But it just continues to astound me that I mean, he's he's like regularly the best player on the floor at 39 years of age. And he's like more aggressive. He's shooting better. I mean, than anything compared to the last like three or four years. I mean, it's really like he's like, all right, I got I got a couple. I got, a, I got one or two more runs at this. I'm going to give it everything I got instead of measuring myself like I have the last <laughs> few years. Um, and if that's the LeBron they're actually going to get for, you know, 75 games and, and a playoff run, you know, it certainly, uh, you know, puts them in a different light as they kind of head into this kind of middle of the season. It's it's really unbelievable. And like everybody talks about how remarkable it is what LeBron's doing. And we've been saying it for years, but I did listen to the beginning of Rivers and Simmons podcast. And I, I think I ended it about where they they stopped talking about that. But I know everyone's it's the examples of this are now it's Tom Brady. It's LeBron. They, they are the only two that have defied or pushed back father time for a long period of time. And everyone talks about the nutrition and taking care of your body. And I get it at like most there's a lot of eras where that this was not considered a priority to take care of yourself in a certain way. So I get that that's part of the equation, but I'm like, it's such a freak of nature. It does. It feels like there's a, a genetic thing to that. It's like some guys are the just the best and then they work hard. So they're even better. It just feels like it's so, and I'm, I'm sort of taking this to just a separate discussion on it. So we don't have to spend much time with it, but I was like, it can't just be all, sleep well and and good good uh nutrition like don't you think you have to have some kind of genetic component to this oh yeah well especially to do what he i mean i think it's a different thing than what brady's done i mean brady played a, like that high level to his mid 40s is incredible but quarterback at some point becomes like you have to have the arm and you have to you have to have the the, the mind the approach and then it's basically like don't get hurt <laughs> you know right. I mean, it's, it's not like that simple you got like you got to be able to like um and that's really harder cuz then you start to feel the rush you're not as mobile and you know eventually kind of just you lose it but if your arm is still working and you're and and you get to that experience where you know where the ball's going like it's just a little more limited number of variables you have to right. do to play that long right where lebron it's like off the charts to play basketball like he's doing and like you're saying yeah. he, he's like playing with like a full like michael it's like a full head of steam like he's not he's not um like he's really he's really going for it and um obviously he's not the the smart thing that darvin ham has done and the, both the rosters they've continued to find guys who can kind of be the point of the spear defensively if it's vanderbilt or you see reddish playing that role where it's like really young athletic guy doesn't have the offensive game or shooting, especially to really be a, like a, like a really strong starter on one of these teams, but somebody you can go out there and guard the best wings and guards and just give them really focus on that. I, I, I think if you're playing the Lakers right now, you have to count on them not shooting very well. And that's one of the reasons I think Russell plays more than I expected is they really don't have, um, they don't have the shooting. They didn't, haven't really had it this entire run that they've had. And I think it's like, 
that's what LeBron's doing so important. And I wonder if the little bit like they're relying on it is him kind of freight training it all the time is like their best way to score. And if he doesn't do that, their offense, their defense is still good, but their offense starts to get a little crumbly because it's, they can't, they don't have enough shooting in the half court to really like do the LeBron and three shooter thing. Um, and so it gets tricky. And the other thing I had with the Lakers is, I mean, Davis was incredible, but like it's against the Indiana Pacers. They had an amazing run, but like just like Giannis last night, it's like they don't have anyone who can guard the point of attack, like in the paint. Like that's like the thing they don't have. They start Obi Toppin and and Miles Turner. Miles Turner is a great. He's kind of like um, Robert Williams, like but less stout on point of attack. Like he's going to come off the ball and block shots, but he is not a point of attack guy against a good post player or a good inside guy. They don't have anyone like that. That's why teams like the bucks are really good. Team Lakers are really good. And the Pacers had an amazing run, but they're not like a championship contender yet. <laughs> so it's and, like, and everyone, everyone needs to calm down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say that was a really good point about NFL quarterbacks where the arm just dies. Like Peyton Manning, hey, Manning. In his late thirties, yes. his arm just died, and it wasn't because he was going through the McDonald's drive-through too often. Just <laughs> <laughs> <He almost> died. <laughs> Speaking of that, I was watching the Manning cast a few weeks ago, and and Chad Ochocinco came was, was oh wow nice. last from the past who who he was amazing by the way he was like nice he he was terrific why uh, is he is he on anything anywhere national or is he like too i mean maybe he will now i don't, him out there. I don't know I, he was he was great and it, the interplay with him and, and the mannings were was really fun but ocho cinco went on this this uh he wanted to add an event to the pro bowl weekend which was like an old timers game oh whoa and and, and chad ochocinco was like hey peyton i need you to be my quarterback and, and eli just goes yeah if you want him to throw left-handed <laughs> <laughs> way to go eli you got a nice. good one in there yes, buddy yes earning those big bucks I'm not, I'm not sure what cooper does to earn the money but that was a good one on my <laughs> yeah it was uh it, it 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 made me laugh and then it yeah. turned to brady and 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 Man, the, the Manning Brady interplay is still one of my favorite things just because they they're, they're obviously so grouped together and, and less so now, I think, because Brady went on for another like eight years or whatever it was. But <laughs> they they were so like connected through their journey. And I feel like Manning was often sort of given credence just because he was such the you know, he, he was, you know, the Heisman candidate and the number one pick. And he sort of like followed that natural mold where Brady was a bit more of that underdog game manager. And then, then obviously evolved into the, the greatest of all time. Uh, but you know, the response that Peyton gave to Eli was like, now Tom will be his, Tom will be his quarterback. He's probably eating smoothies right now in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Brady atten- attended uh, Manning, Peyton Manning's hall of fame induction. And when he gave his speech, Brady was in the crowd and he referenced Brady and, and Brady got booed. And he, Brady had this response of like he was surprised and like pissed off a little bit. He's looking around like, like, where are we? Like, uh, I mean, maybe he had some delusions about his own popularity in certain places. But And then Manning had a line of like, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, Tom, this is when he was still, Brady was still playing. So he's like, looking forward to uh, Tom Brady's induction in the year 2039. <laughs> hey manny what a genius though to to not just go 
and like try and be Aikman. I mean, that's sort of what Brady's doing, right? He's if he ever actually takes Greg Olson's job, be the number one guy, the Romo, the Aikman. Manning says, No, I'm gonna start my own production company. I'm gonna do the Manning cast with my brother. Um, and people are trying to do copycats of that all over the place because it's been so successful for what it is. He's like producing podcasts, he produced the quarterback show for um for Netflix. I think Peyton Manning took some classes and when he was at Tennessee, man, in economics, it's like he wants to own it. He wants to yeah. own his he wants to own his content, man. He wants yeah. to be an owner, not a not a renter, man. It's right. impressive. It's impressive. Or just that the whole thing of like find something that you will enjoy doing. Yes. And then just do that instead of just the like the th- the things you're expected to do, coach or yep. which I think we probably would all think he would I would say a great coach, but probably probably one of those stars that wouldn't have the patience for players who were not at his level, but uh like could have been successful in everything. But I think it's cool that he recognized that he had this gift, his personality and his humor, like he and he Yeah, and who would have thought that like when he first came in the league? Like I didn't think that's true that way yeah. at all. Even early yeah, he on. He was serious. Like, he did the SNL. I mean he, I remember being on SNL like later in his career and it was like, oh, it was kind of like Kelsey being on it's like, oh what this guy actually is funny and like self-aware. And it and um it was definitely uh it was a good he did some good hosting. Yeah. Well, um, and the the SNL was like he was really good. Yeah, he was, like, yeah. He was and, legit. The Boys and Girls Club sketch where yeah, he started yeah. tagging kids, pelting the kids. The with yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm not. What did that? He had some line about being a snitch or something. Like, I wouldn't. I'm not saying I've killed a snitch before, but I, I don't know. <laughs> but, but uh, I knew I knew Manning had a good eye for humor when i heard that he was a norm mcdonald fan oh there uh, we he, go. no because because uh, no he approached norm on the street well i don't know if it was like at the SBs or something but or but or no he purchased randomly like he was in the same area and manning like came up to him, he's like hey i'm a big fan of yours and norm was like oh like well i'm a big fan of yours that's awesome hey <laughs> hey hey hey, hey. Uh, uh. oh my gosh that's i mean he has good taste that's good to know yes yes I mean, Norm had a great ESPYS. Was he? Was he? I'm trying to look up when that was. That was, was like, like yeah, 98. 90s. No, that was 98. That was the one that he could Manning, still Manning do the OJ jokes. Manning was at that, I'm sure. So, oh, it probably was. Yeah, that was yeah. when uh, Ken Griffey Jr. was horrified by Norm's uh, OJ joke. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like for me, I mean, Norm was always amazing, but that like the like the um, kind of update and then immediately after update norm to me is just like to me is the were you in high school during this period no i know it's the whole it's the whole thing strikes again i I, I get it but it's just like (laughs) i i feel like for him his delivering his joke when he was kind of in the prime of his life where he was like this tall because he's like this tall like handsome strapping dude you know and it was like yeah yeah, you know he and he would he would (laughs) like when he did the white house correspondence it was the same thing it was just like he had this ability oh so Um, you so you like the the younger version of norm better than the older well i like the older too i love love all norm but i just i'm i'm a little bit yeah maybe it's to it's the lorne point where i just watching him do update in the 90s when he was just like just would destroy people uh and then, so, but going back and looking at like the SBs, like at night, it's just incredible. And I feel like he just got, he got more, I don't know if it was more like narrative or more, um, 
I think he was trying like more difficult things almost, but um, I don't know. I feel like that era of him just like being willing just to go out and just, just go. He, oh, he was always <laughs> like that. He's incredible, but I, I, I just, the SBs, I just, it's yeah. just off. But what, but, but you're, you're the norm. Well, no, I, no, I would, res I would respectfully disagree. I think we both be on the same page that we liked it all. Yeah. But I actually became more of a fan of his post Saturday Night Live. I mean, I liked, I liked the weekend update, but like even yeah. some of it, honestly, I didn't. It was a lot of crack jokes and a lot of like stuff that, that was like, I loved the one liners with like the OJ, but um, yeah. Yeah. But that I, I always remember that when I, when he like won me over, it was when he appeared on Jon Stewart's show, which would have been like 2005 ish. And he, I just saw him, I guess I had seen him on interviews and stuff with Conan, but there was something about that's when he started making jokes that were really morbid about the crocodile hunter. But it was one of those, I shouldn't be laughing at this, but I can't <laughs> stop laughing at this, which is exactly you, what Jon Stewart was doing. He was like, yeah. please don't make me laugh at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, that was I got like, I gotta go back and watch that because that's like that's also the best Stuart, I feel like, when he's like cracking up and laughing and saying, yeah, like, no, yeah. don't do that to me. Yeah. Um <laughs> and I'm sure you've seen the one where he goes, because this is the kind of earlier norm, but kind of maybe in between these these periods where he did the uh the view and he was talking <laughs> about how Hillary killed yeah. He just started shouting these conspiracy theories that you know he didn't believe it, but the women the Barbara Walters, they thought That's they're great. like, you have crossed the line, sir. And he was <laughs> like completely out of <laughs> I think he went on to say that Barbara Walters like ruined journalism. <laughs> <laughs> well, his brother's a big journalist, right? His brother yeah, is he's like, a lot like big the, journalist in Canada. He's like the yeah. Peter Jennings of Canada. He's the Peter Jennings of Canada, who yeah. was also Canadian. A Canadian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Peter Jennings was also the Peter Jennings. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but that correspondence dinner was great. I literally love that. Yeah. That was the, the, my favorite line of that one is when he, I guess that's a room that's really hard to do, the correspondence dinner. Yeah. yeah. Like the, it's just really big and people are eating their meals. And so you can't really tell if you're well it's where the prayer, it's where their prayer breakfast used to be that's the oh, room. okay yeah, yeah. The, it's just gigantic the, owner, yeah. it's the biggest like ballroom in the, in the yeah. united states practically that's yeah, yeah that's like la but so uh, i think yeah. he thought he was bombing early on and he did like six or seven jokes and then he just paused and he said uh i'll be doing jokes later this is just a little <laughs> warm up here for <laughs> <laughs> impromptu line no, it was really good i i i'm still partial to the line he, what was it but i think andrea mitchell and and uh oh and al oh, greenspan yeah, yeah yeah he said something about any she he he whispered in his she whispered in his ears like, i don't know <laughs> i forget what the country yeah I yeah it was so good it's he did so do good. another one was uh if you remember at the time clinton was uh he had um injured his knee oh right, uh, right greg greg norman's home of all places he fell down oh, the stairs man. come on we, we don't know what the president was drinking that night or not but um uh, but he had to have surgery and so he was on crutches and uh <laughs> and norm said you know mr president you're you know you're both you're handicapped and you're the president you must have a great parking spot <laughs> <laughs> oh man so good R.I.P., man. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us at the 3ND Love NBA Podcast. We'll be back next time. But until then, remember, throw it down, big man. This isn't just a great podcast. It's a triumph of the human spirit.